Have any of you ever had a bad day by show of hands? How many of you, today is a bad day? Hey, I'm preaching. It's not a bad day. Come on now. You're in God's house. It's not a bad day. When I was in college, one night I was sleeping, like most nights, and I was sleeping and I woke up in the middle of the night. I needed to use the restroom. And so I sit up in bed. I kind of pull the, the covers off. I fling my legs around over the side of the bed, and I put my feet on the ground. I stand up, but a major problem happens. Have any of you ever had a body part fall asleep? Any of you ever had a foot, a leg, an arm? It's just limp. You can't feel it. There's no sensation. Well, I'm half asleep. I stand up, and I try to take a step. And it's like a slow motion movie sequence. All of a sudden you see this. I'm slow motion falling, going, oh, I'm reaching out. I'm reaching out to try to hold on to something for dear life. The only thing I can grab is a standing lamp. I grab the lamp and you know what it does? It comes with me on my journey. As I fall to the ground, lying there, moaning on the ground. My roommates wake up and they go, what happened? I'm like, I just sprained both of my ankles. That's a bad day, people. Maybe you've had a bad day. Maybe you got stuck in traffic. That's a bad day. And we have some traffic around these parts. Maybe you got to work and you forgot that that project that you were supposed to have done was due today. That might be a bad day for you. Maybe you went to the car wash thinking, I'm going to get a car wash. You're going through, you're looking at all the cool lights and things. It's a little light show in there, but you forgot to close the sunroof. And now you get a colorful foam shower. That's a bad day. Sometimes in life, we go further than a bad day. And we step into what I call the worst day. Those situations look like this. Maybe you had got some doctor's tests and the doctor calls you or brings you into the office and gives you some really bad news. They tell you, you have something that is incurable. Maybe you get a phone call and somebody that you love has been terribly injured or even worse, they've died. Sometimes in life, we have terrible Days, worst days. We don't always know how to respond on those worst days. What do I do in those situations? Today, we're going to take a moment and we're going to look at a story in the Bible where the disciples are having a worst day experience. And let's see what happened when God steps into the moment with them. So if you have your Bible, if you could turn with me to John chapter 20, and we'll be starting in verse 19. But let me set this up for you. Jesus had been crucified on Friday. The disciples were hiding, and it's now Sunday.
Jesus had been buried in a tomb. It had been sealed, closed. Guards were standing in front of it. There were some rumors and even some eyewitness accounts that somehow Jesus' body was gone. And some people said they even saw Jesus. But the bulk of the disciples had not yet seen Jesus. And so they're in disbelief. They don't know what to do. They're scared. And here's where we pick up the story in verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. So let's rewind a little bit. It's Sunday night. They're hiding. The leader of their movement, the person that they believed was the Messiah, had been crucified. And they're hiding behind a locked door. The Jewish leaders didn't think Jesus was the Messiah, so they had him killed. They're thinking, we're next. To top it off, rumors had been spread that the body of Jesus was gone. The soldiers who had been guarding the tomb, they had been paid off to sell a lie, to tell that the disciples had gone, that they had taken the body. So the disciples are thinking, they're coming for us. They're coming for us. And the scripture tells us that they are hiding behind a locked door. And it was locked because they were afraid. Shut doors prevent things from coming in. Maybe you've shut some doors in your life. Have you ever been afraid because something in the past happened to you? Have you ever been afraid because somebody you loved had something happen in the past? And because of that situation, that circumstance, we end up shutting some doors and we lock them. There's some people in this room today that perhaps you've shut the door and locked it on some emotions. Or you shut the door and locked it on some relationships or on your finances or on your dreams, or on your health. We shut the door to protect ourselves, to prevent something from coming in. But I want to share this with you. When you shut the door and lock it, you've not only locked the outside world out, but you've locked yourself in. Did you hear that? You've locked yourself in. For some of us today, we need to unlock the doors and allow people in. Thankfully, Jesus doesn't need a door. This is what the story goes. He just shows up and he's in their presence. My first point today is on your worst day, Jesus is near. On your worst day, Jesus is near. Even if you feel alone in life, you are never alone. 
In the Old Testament, Moses was speaking to Joshua, who was about to step into a leadership position. He was about to lead the people into the promised land. And this is what he says to Joshua. This is in Deuteronomy 31, verse 8. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. If there are people in this room or people who are watching online that you feel alone, you are never alone. He has not forsaken you. In fact, it says he's gone before you. Have any of you ever stepped into a moment that uh, might be a little bit scary? You may uh, not know this, but Pastor Gary's a bit of a prankster. Where his office is located, he has windows that allow him to see, like, as people are driving in to come in for the work day. And this is what he does sometimes. He waits. He sees a car coming by. He knows whose car is who. He runs down the office hall. He will go into your office, turn the lights off, and hide behind the door. Every once in a while, you hear this, ah! That means Pastor Gary was waiting for you. When you step into a room that's supposed to be empty or supposed to, and it's dark, you're not expecting someone just to show up and go, ah! Now, that's a funny situation. Let's go back to the disciples here for a minute. They're in the room. They know everybody in the room very well. They're there already in a sense of fear. And as they're talking, as they're going about whatever their business is at the moment, a man just appears. Remember, I already set this up. They think death is at their doorstep. They think they're about to be taken out by some guards. And this is what Jesus says. Peace be with you. Now that word peace, it means tranquility. It means rest. It means safety. It means calm. He was trying to put them at ease. Saying, listen, it's okay. There are some of you in this room today, you need to hear, it's okay. It's okay. Safety is here. Calm is here. Peace is here. And immediately after he says this, it says that he shows them his, his hands and his side. He had just been crucified three days earlier. The aftermath of our worst days often leave scars in our life. Sometimes they're physical scars. Sometimes they're an emotional scar. Sometimes it's a mental scar. Most of us, when we have some sort of a scar, we kind of look at it and we're like, oh, that bad thing happened. That terrible situation, that worst day happened. And we think of it as a painful memory. You see a hurt. But I want to challenge you today to look at the scars of your life and I want you to see a wound that is healed. That's what a scar is. A wound that is healed. 
It is evidence of God's faithfulness. My second point today is on my worst day, my scars are evidence of God's faithfulness. When you look at a wound, make the right choice in how you look at it. There are people in this room, there's people online who are watching right now that you have wounds, that you have something that has now healed and it has become a scar. But oftentimes we hide those things. When we need to proudly display them, and I know what you're thinking, you're thinking, this is ugly, I don't want to show that to people, I don't... No, you're missing the point. Your scar is proof that you are healed. Your scar is proof that you have survived. There are people in this room who come in and they are worshiping on a Sunday morning and it takes everything in them to to cry out, to speak out those words as we sing a song. And it is evidence that they have survived something. Do not be afraid to show your scars to people. Because somebody else needs that encouragement. Says, if you made it, I can make it too. There's a man by the name of Joseph in the Old Testament. This guy had the worst of the worst of the worst. And you wonder, how did he get to the next situation? And the next situation, I believe it's because he looked at the past situation He saw the scar, he saw the evidence, and was able to move on. So let me rewind the story a little bit. Joseph, as a young boy, of 12, his brothers hated him. So much so, they threw him into a a pit, and they were going to kill him, but then they thought, ah, let's at least sell him into slavery. He sold into slavery, then he ends up at Potiphar's house. And I think Joseph is thinking, how am I supposed to get through this moment? But then he remembers, well, God saved me from the pit. Then while he's in Potiphar's house... Crazy accusations happen, and he gets put in jail. While he's in jail, I wonder what he's thinking. And he remembers the scars of the past. Well, God's already been faithful to me. God's already been faithful to me. And he goes from the pit. He goes from Potiphar's house. He goes to the prison, and then he ends up in the palace. All leading up to that moment. All evidence of God's faithfulness in his life. Choose to look at your scars in life and see evidence of God's faithfulness. My next point is, on my worst day, Jesus, who is peace, is with me. Jesus, who is peace, is with me. John 20, 21. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Wait a second. Didn't Jesus already say, peace be with you? He did. When something in the Bible is repeated, that means, hey, you better pay attention. This is really important. When the pastor, the preacher, whoever says something twice or three times or four times, it's to catch your attention and say, this is really important. So when he says, peace, Be with you. Let's look at this. I already told you that peace can mean safety. It can mean calm. It can mean rest, tranquility. But there are some more meanings of the word peace. The word peace also means completeness. It means wholeness. Remember the disciples 
in the garden when Jesus was being taken away, they abandoned him. When Jesus is on trial, they had abandoned him. When he's on the cross, they had abandoned them. In fact, one of them even denied even knowing him. The disciples behind a locked door, they have to be feeling fear. They have to be feeling shame. They have to be feeling regret. Like we don't deserve this. What did we do? We failed. And then Jesus appears and he says peace again. But this time he says, wholeness, completeness be with you. There are moments in your life when you may feel like you have failed, and God is saying, have peace. There are moments in your life when you feel like everything is wrong, and he's saying, have peace. There are moments in your life when you have fear, and he's saying, have peace. Your eternity in heaven is already established if you've accepted Christ into your life. Have peace. So when Jesus is saying this, peace be with you, he is saying, peace, me, Jesus, I am with you. Jesus is with you. He's with you. Wholeness is with you. Completeness is with you. In Philippians 4, verse 6, some of my favorite verses right here. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. My next point is, on my worst day, find something to be thankful for. Find a reason to thank God. Many years ago, a mentor of mine, his name was Ron Stevens, an amazing man, a pastor. He was in his 80s, and he was at the hospital, and I, along with many others, had gone to the hospital and and had gone into his room. I prayed with him, and after I prayed with him, he actually prayed over my life. It, It was beautiful. I stepped out into the lobby area so others could go in. And a few hours later, his wife, Pastor June Stevens, steps out. And she simply says, he's gone to be with Jesus. Thank God. Thank God he is with him. He is with him in heaven. I remember as a young man looking at this situation and going, why aren't you crying? Like, this is what I'm thinking. Why aren't you crying? And I think sensing what was happening in the room, because other people were like, wait, she's like positive about what just happened during this negative situation. We were kind of shocked by it. And she says, when he was in his mid-30s, He had had a massive heart attack and the doctors told him that he would not live much longer and God in his faithfulness gave him almost five decades more. Thank God for the extra time that I got. You may be walking through a season in your life and you just need to turn around and you need to find something to thank God for. Find something to give him 
all the praise and all the glory and all the honor for. If you want to have peace in your life, then you need to learn to be thankful. Back to the story, John chapter 20, verse 22. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Before this, Jesus had said, God has sent me and now I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them. This word breathe in Greek, it's emphaseo. This is the only place in the New Testament that this word is used. It means to blow or to breathe upon. Now, what, what you may not understand, this word is the same exact word that's used in Genesis. God had formed Adam out of the dust. And it says he breathed life into them. When he breathed life into him, he gave him a soul. He gave them a living spirit. And as you might know, the story goes on that Adam and Eve, they sinned. And this this personal connection with God had been broken. In theological terms, Jesus is referred to as the last Adam. When Jesus has come back, he's breathing life once again. Let me, let me explain that a little bit more. Jesus had followers. He had people who believed he was the Messiah, but he had not yet paid for the price. He had not paid the price yet for their sin. Jesus is now standing there, shows his hands, shows his side. He's the evidence. And he says, I am breathing life into you again. I am restoring that connection for you to have a relationship with God. There are people in this room today that you need to know that Jesus is breathing life into you. Whatever your situation whatever your circumstance, that Jesus is breathing life into you. And right after it says that he breathed on him, it says that they received the Holy Spirit. Now, this is not the Holy Spirit that, that you may think of on the day of Pentecost. He is saying, I am giving you the comforter. I am giving you this guide for your life, this connection to the heavenly father. My last point here is on my worst day, Jesus breathes life into me. On my worst day, Jesus breathes life into me. Let him breathe life into you. Back in February, I was driving to the office, to the church. I was praying to God. Let me rephrase that. I was complaining to God. Any of you have prayers that sound a lot like complaints? I was complaining to God, pointing out all the worst days that we had had as a family. This past summer, 
was ridiculous for my family. My wife had four people that she loved very much die. We fast forward the story a little bit later. Our baby who was one year old, he had a seizure and ends up being taken by the ambulance to the hospital. I, as a father, I have no idea what's happening and I'm going like, why God, why? Fast forward to the next story. There's some health issues that are creeping into our family. I'm going, why God? Even my kids are asking me, daddy, why, why is all this happening to our family? And I'm, I'm there and I'm, 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 I'm complaining to God and saying, God, look at all this stuff in my life. I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I'm emotionally spent. I've tried to be brave through each of these moments and be there, but God, I have nothing else, nothing else. And I was feeling like God wasn't there. And in that moment, God began to whisper to my soul. And I want to share what he said to me in hopes that you hear it as God speaking to you today. On my worst day, remember I am a child of God. On my worst day, when I am discouraged, remember that he gave me a comforter. On my worst day, when I feel worthless, that God says I am a masterpiece. On my worst day, when I feel stuck in life, God is setting me up for what's next. On my worst day, I am destined for heaven. On my worst day, when I feel like I have failed, remember that God has forgiven me. On my worst day, when I feel like I wish I had more, remember that I have given you exactly what you need. On my worst day when I feel powerless, remember God has equipped me. On my worst day when I'm dissatisfied with life itself, remember to be thankful that I am alive. On my worst day when I walk through pain, Remember that God can use it to propel me forward in life. On my worst day when I need a miracle, remember that God has already given me two. He gave me life and he gave me heaven. On my worst day, God is good. church for every problem that you have God has a promise 
right now, we're going to take a moment as a community. We're going to sing a song of faith. And I want you to sing these words out, whatever you may be walking through. And believe in faith. Because God is good. Would you stand to your feet? Worship team, would you begin just to to lead us?
is good. My worst day with Jesus is better than my best day without Jesus. I have some questions that I want you to walk away with today. Is there an area of my life that I've tried to lock people out of? What scars do I have in my life that already show God's faithfulness? What area in my life do I need peace? What can I choose to be thankful about in my difficult season? Perhaps you're in the room today, or maybe you're watching online. I wanna give an opportunity right now, if you've never asked Jesus into your life, that moment that I talked about where Jesus breathed life, he can do that right now for you. And so I'm gonna ask that as a community, as a family, that we would accept Christ into our hearts. So if you would, if you would repeat after me, Jesus, I believe in you. I need you. Forgive me of my sins. I give my life to you. Breathe your life into me. Amen. Hey, if you just said that prayer, right now, there is a party going on in heaven. They are so thrilled. The angels are rejoicing. We as a church are rejoicing with you. This is the best decision that you have ever made in your life. Now listen, saying a prayer, that's just the start of the journey. It's not the finish line. There's a journey that continues and we don't want you to do this journey alone. So we have a gift for you today. It's called the next seven days. This is a guide to give you seven days of instruction of what to do this week in your new relationship with Christ. In just a few moments after we conclude, at the front, there'll be some prayer teams or along the sides, there'll be prayer teams that all you need to do is go up and say, hey, could, could I get that next seven days? They'd be happy just to hand it to you. If you wanna talk with them, they'd be ready to talk with you, to pray with you. Or if you're in a really big rush, hey, right out in the lobby as well, we have an area that's called the next seven days. You can go out there and you can grab one on your way out. If you're online, you could also message us and we'll be glad to send you one of those as well. Church, can we take a moment and can we welcome people into the house of God? Awesome. Well, you can find your seats. We just have a few more things before we conclude today. But, you know, I just want to say that Pastor Nick does so much around here at the bridge that is behind the scenes. He oversees our connect groups and our serving teams and our community care program. And it was just really awesome to have him sharing his heart today, hearing from him. Can we give him one more great hand for that great message? Awesome. So good. Uh, well, at this time in our service, we are going to worship God with our giving. 
And as we prepare to do that, you will see the different ways on the screens in which you can give. And if you would like to give in person today, you can also do that. We do have giving envelopes located on the chair backs. And there are giving stations on the walls on each side of our auditorium exit doors. And there's another one out in the lobby just before you enter our Bridge Kids area. So those are available for you if you want them. But, you know, as we prepare to give, we just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for your faithfulness in giving here at the Bridge. I want you to know that every single person's gift is so significant no matter the size because together it's our collective giving that is impacting our local area here and all across the globe through all the different missions efforts that we're part of every time we give we are bringing the hope and the love of Jesus to people so thank you thank you for your continual faithfulness in giving here at the bridge you are making a difference in people's lives thank you so much And now, before we conclude, we just have a couple of quick reminders for you. Um, You know, about twice a year here at the bridge, we do what we call child dedication. And it happens during our morning services where parents who want to dedicate their children to the Lord have that opportunity. It is coming up on Sunday, May 15th. Starting this week, you'll be able to register for that online on our website or on our church app. But we would just love to be part of that special moment with you if that's you and you'd like to dedicate your children to the Lord, okay? So be sure to check that out. And then also, I know that you saw the quick video trailer this morning for our Bridge Women Night coming up, but I just want to take a quick moment. Yay, we have some excited women in the house. I am excited as well, and hey, it is going to be an awesome night. Ladies, mark your calendars. You don't want to miss it. We'll be right here in the main auditorium. Have a great time of worship and encouragement from God's Word. We've got boutique vendors and food vendors and all kinds of stuff happening. It's going to be a great night. You can get all the details on the website or the church app, all right? And lastly, hey, we've got baptisms happening today after second service. So, hey, if you want to go to breakfast or come back or, hey, stay for two services, then after second service, we'll have baptisms happening out in the foyer. It's going to be awesome celebrating this with people who are making that commitment to the Lord today. All right. Hey, have a fantastic week. We love you.